You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. Last month, we delivered over 37,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. If you'd like to learn more about advertising, contact Rose Chamora. 951-515-4661. All right, our second guest is here in the studio. He's partner at Anton and Chai. He's Nicholas Pulisio. Palacio? Palacio. Palacio. All right, I knew I had it until I had to say it. And he's Italian and he's Sicilian, just like me. I should give him. Anyway, tell me a little bit about your professional background and training, Nicholas. It's nice to have you in the studio. Uh, my professional background, I've been doing this for about 14 years here in Orange County. Uh, started off at a local firm uh, here in Irvine, Corbin & Works, which then became Corbin & Company. Uh, spent a few years there, then moved over to McLadry, and then uh, bounced around a couple small firms and eventually bought one of them out. And in August of last year, merged in with an old buddy of mine that I'd worked with in the past, um, Anton and Chia. So you are a you're a business owner now. You're a partner at the firm, huh? That's that's uh, you're a relatively young man. You look like you can't see because this is well. You can see if you watch the YouTube video, which will be up here uh, over the weekend. But if you're listening to us live or as a podcast, you can't see Nicholas's face, and maybe you saw his picture. But that's pretty impressive that you decided to get into being a a business owner as early as you did in your career. Why did you do that? I've I've owned several businesses over over the years. I've always been the youngest one. At- pretty much anything I've done. It just seemed like a, a natural progression for me once I got to the point where I felt like I could do it on my own. So let's talk about uh, your firm, Anton and Chia. Uh, what is, what's unique about the firm? Why do clients choose to do business with your CPA firm? Can you give us a sense for your differentiation? Sure. So we're, we're a boutique firm, um, and what's unique about us is we're an international boutique firm. We do, we do about 20% of our business in, in China. We do quite a bit of business in, in Europe, Eastern Europe, a little bit in Africa, Mexico, South America, and Canada. We have uh, our personal offices are here in, in uh, Newport Beach, San Diego. Uh, we will have one soon in Westlake. Uh, we have an office in Vancouver. And then we have our affiliate offices in Hong Kong and Mexico City. Think about your guiding principle. Nicholas, we talk about that here on Critical Mass Radio Show is kind of your overarching belief system about, you know, what you do to help your clients. So can you think about what your guiding principle is and spend a minute and share that with our audience? One of the main things that we do, the big portion of our work is is working with small and middle market companies, um, otherwise known as nano cap, micro cap, and small cap companies. Whoa. Um, <laughs> It's just, it, it's just it, it used to just be small cap, and then they came out with all these other smaller definitions. Yes. <laughs> but, but what we do is, is, is we help private companies who want to go public go public, and we help uh, small public companies stay public. Okay. Um, and we, we guide them through, through the process, and, and uh, mainly it's just it's really boring stuff, financial statement audits, reviews, stuff like that, advisory services. 
but it's a heavy responsibility to be a small capitalized company and to be public. It is, and and what happens is a lot of these private companies want to go to the next level and uh, decide to go public for one reason or another, and you know, eight nine times out of ten, they really don't know what they're getting themselves into, right? And and so it's very important that they surround themselves with the right service professionals to help them through the process. Yeah, I would think, and because they share the same reporting burden as much larger. It, multinational corporations, right? Very, very similar, yes, it, it, with with uh, with small deviations, but yes, pretty much. Yeah, they're carrying that same burden, Sarbanes-Oxley, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. I mean, they have the same risk, right, in reporting that the larger corporations have. So having someone like you who's skilled in helping them do what has to be done, but maybe do it in a way that allows them to be a successful business? Yes, and so, yeah, one of our goals is to, you know, and, and we put it different ways, but to get in, get out as painlessly as possible. So because at the end of the day, we're 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 a compliance function, right? right? No, nobody wants an audit. They have to have an audit, and someone's mandating it for one reason or another. And so, and we know that. And, and so, when we go in, we we do our best to make it as efficient a process as possible, make it as painless a process as possible, and also uh, add value to our service by advising them and giving them uh, best practices uh, based on our experience with other companies. So you also help companies that are in the planning stages to go public. Correct. So CEOs of middle market companies, and I define middle market companies as companies with revenue of $100 million or less. Mm -hmm. So technically it's the lower middle market if we want to start slicing, right? Right. But we just say middle market here. So $100 million. Why, Why would they go from a privately held firm to a public company, what would be your advice? And when you're working with clients that are considering that, kind of how do you how do you help them decide if they even should go public? And if so, what's the value of that? Well, and, and that's a great question because it really depends on the circumstances. There's there's some individuals that will come to me and say, "I want to be Facebook. I want to go public. I want to do this." And I'll and I'll ask them why, and what, <laughs> what what's what's your goal? Where where do you you know what what really do you want to uh, achieve by doing that? And sometimes I'll talk them out of it because it's just it's not the right fit. It's because it is it is a big burden. You you have all the same reporting requirements. Other companies, it, it is the right fit. Where is it the right fit? Right is you know really when when a company is at a point where they can no longer grow on on their own horsepower, so to speak. Okay. They they need that additional push, that additional backing and uh, financing from other sources in order to get them get them over that hump. So it's really the the infusion of capital from the from going public that is a driver for it, growth for some companies, right? T- typically that's what we see. And okay. in, in other cases it's an exit strategy. Okay. That's the other time. Yeah, I built this value and I would like to get it out in some way and this <laughs> is a liquidity event then exactly. for them. Yes. Okay. But you can you can fall in love with the liquidity event and maybe forget about the reporting requirements that are going that are going to follow you, right? Right, and yeah. and yeah, and, and other times they get they get talked into it, and once they're in there, they are very surprised by the amount of responsibility, additional responsibility that they're assuming right. by being a public company. Because many times a private company going public, it's not just the founder or the CEO, the owner who gets the liquidity event. Many times it's the key employees, the long-term employees. So you get this whole 
energy about, oh, we're going to go public and, and I've got 100,000 shares and it's at 50 cents and you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So if you back away from that as a CEO and business owner because maybe you realize it's not in the company's best interest, that's a hard dynamic to undo. So my advice to CEOs that are considering public going public as an option is to consult with a CPA firm like Nicholas's as early in your deliberative process as possible so you don't miss set expectations of your employee population. Correct, correct. And, and, and so recently I was involved in, in one uh, company in the Valley who, who recently went public. And just like you said, in the build-up to it, I was speaking to them, and they were excited. They were just beyond themselves. <laughs> and then it happened. And reality starts setting in, and I and I, I pull one of the owners aside and say, "How are you feeling?" Oh, I'm scared. I, and, and he used a couple four letter words that I probably shouldn't say, but okay. he but <laughs> real scared. I'm real scared. That's a four letter word. Was that, was that, well, yeah. I was scared. Ass very scared. Ass less. So yeah. well, well, we'll say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. But um, but yeah, because reality started setting in of of what the requirements were. Um, you know, but we we were there. They they brought in a. a good competent counsel to help them through the process and started hiring people who knew what they were doing to help guide them through through all the the requirements and in no way am i trying to suggest to middle market ceos that you should not go public that it's not worth it because i actually think it is a very powerful strategy Mm -hmm. for the right companies as a matter of fact it it, sometimes it's the only way to unlock the real value of the company correct and so I'm I'm a fan of that, and I think Nicholas's firm would be a great firm for you to talk to Anton and Chia, and we're going to be giving their website here a little bit later in the radio program. But I think it's time to take our our final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We've got much more to talk about, like uh, the kind of things that companies should be planning and focusing on as they're taking their company public. What are the four different types of clients, public, private, and public offerings and hedge funds? So we've got a lot to cover with Nicholas. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. 
Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Hi, this is Rick Franzi. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. Quite an interesting uh, session we're having here in the live studio. I want to appreciate and thank uh, Nicholas Pulisio for being a good fan about our little technical difficulty that happened earlier and some things we can fix in post but that one probably will live on the podcast as well. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days and we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. As I said before, all shows can be heard live here on internet radio station octalkradio.net a rebroadcast from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, so your company works with four different types of clients, public companies, private companies, public offerings, and hedge funds. Okay, so some of those have – let's talk about them in in general. How do you help a hedge fund in, in their deliberation? What's your role? Uh, my role personally is limited. That's one of my other partner's specialties. Okay. So that's help his realm of the world. He deals a lot with uh, those transactions and handling and managing the, uh, helping the hedge funds go through the process, uh, identify investments, due diligence, uh, buy side, sell side type okay. transactions. Okay. So companies may not be going public or they've gone public and a hedge fund may want to become an investor in that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or or even just a, a private investment. So, okay, private so, investment. Yeah, so so hedge funds will will come to us if they've identified a target they want to invest in, and they need due diligence procedures performed on them. Just make sure this is legit, and they what they're telling me is in there is actually in there. And so so auditing work is really the area where your firm is being called on by hedge funds and other companies to help. Go with the public process or public offerings, etc. Yeah, well, it's assurance work, right? So, so there's there's different uh, instances. So it could be agreed upon procedures or audit or review, depending on on the level of assurance okay. they they need. Okay. So let's talk about the public public offering space. When in in your firm is Anton and Chia, mm-hmm. and when how, which what's the firm's role in public offerings? It depends. So if okay. if we if we come on board as as the auditors, obviously that our our role is limited to audit and some advisory, and um, limited consulting type stuff. Uh, on occasion, we will be brought in as just a consultant, and so we will help the company actually through the process. Okay. But put them in touch with all the right people, get them in contact with the investors, the attorneys, and you know put the team together for them to help and get all their package and, and materials together for somebody else to audit. And uh, typically, that's a lower risk engagement for us, and so the fees are t- typically a little bit lower. But, um, you know, sometimes it's a little more fun. Do you find peop- the How do you find the activity in this area of private companies planning to go public with a public offering? My assumption is it may be ignorant that but during the recession, that might have slowed down just because inherent values, et cetera. It wasn't the time to be trying to float. Yeah, it dried up. Okay. It, it, it really did. It dried up because everybody was scared, 
every, everybody. They're, they held on really tight to their money and were very cautious where they put it. Uh, downside to it, there wasn't very many places to put it and um, other than the stock market. And, you know, we, we've seen what history, um, what happened, right? So not until really the last few years when the economy stabilized, you know, we started having slow growth, did the investors start coming back out and putting money into uh, into companies, right? into a lot of companies. And, and so then the IPO and reverse merger type transactions picked up quite a bit. Okay. So we have about three minutes left here with Nicholas. And I, and I, I guess since my demographic or CEOs of lower middle market companies and my sense is that many, if not most of them, are privately held companies. Mm-hmm. They're not public companies. What advice would you give to that CEO that's listening now or listening as a podcast in the future about maybe he's never or she's never even really thought about public going public as an option, but what advice would you give them to, at the very early stages of thinking about moving in, a, in that direction? What, what, what advice could you help them out with? Well, the first step is getting in touch with the right professionals, getting your own counsel, um, and getting either an accountant or a CPA who has public company experience, SEC experience, to advise and, and counsel in, in it. The, the, the same thing that I um, that I referred to earlier, the conversation I had with the with the company that wanted to be Facebook. Uh-huh. Right? I sat them down. I drew the plan on the back of a napkin over lunch, and I said, why do you want to go public? And we had that conversation. That conversation needs to take place and figure out if it's the right option for them. Sometimes it is, sometimes it just isn't, and there's, uh, and it also depends on the amount of funds that they want to raise. Mm-hmm. Do you ever uh, find public companies coming to you to say, okay, well, we want to go the other way, we want to take this thing back private? I've seen it on occasion, um, not recently, uh, okay. but I'm, I'm sure we may start seeing that in, in, a, in a few years' time. Yeah, because going public, there's so many decisions that have to be made, and I don't know how an entrepreneur could successfully do it without help. If you've never done it before, this isn't the kind. This is this isn't something you're gonna. I mean, this you need the advice of people who've been there and done that. Oh, you're right, correct. And there's there's so many rules and 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 regulations around it, not just from from an accounting perspective, but all the different reporting requirements to the SEC and and the due dates. I mean, some you have four days to report. Some are ten days. Some are forty-five, ninety. It's just it. And for a business owner out there who's never done this before, I mean, it, they can't be expected to know right. all this. Right. And you add a whole new level of stakeholders to your business. You know, you have clients, you have family members. When you're a private company, <laughs> maybe you have some type of investors behind the business, and you certainly have your employees. But when you go public and your stock is purchased on an open market, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then you then you have a new class of people that are invested in your company, which you may not have a personal relationship with anymore, which is, I think is somewhat different from a private company where you, t- you kind of know the money people behind the private company, right? Whether it's p- private equity or whatever. Correct. And, and, so there's there's two things there's there's obviously the 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 governance and the responsive reporting responsibilities then there is the also the you know the level of control or lack of control and the other opinions and so this this morning I was in a, at an annual meeting where the shareholders were were voting whether or not to keep the current board on <laughs> on and that's their right and that's their right and and you know a uh, uh, 
a public company with uh, a public company with good governance has an annual meeting and gives the shareholders that option. But you have depend you don't you don't know what what will come out of that. Right, right. And so um, let's just kind of close with where you see the future of of comp- private companies moving to public. Uh, is, are there any trends there? You know, I kind of think technology companies are the ones that are probably the most prime for doing this. Is that true? Is that is that opinion valid? Or are other industries equally as excited about it moving from private to public? Well, in and, and that's that's a good question because I, I have seen trends. So for a while there it was biotech. It was every little biotech right. firm out there was going public. Every, anybody with a great idea was going public. And then um, and then it switched to e and then it was e commerce and then it wasn't. Lately I've been seeing energy, energy and mining. Oh wow! Is right. is is what uh, a those lot are of that capital be. intense industries too. So going public can really help you take the business to the next level. Correct. Right? So I could see why they would want to do that. Yeah. Plus, we have such a renaissance in energy in this country. It's right. I mean, we're we're becoming more and more of an energy independent nation, mm-hmm. which is almost unthinkable for those of us that remember all the way back to the '70s when we were waiting in line for oil for gasoline. So, okay. Right. So, energy. Energy seems to be a big one, uh, and real estate. Interestingly enough, really, real estate seems to be coming back. There's been a couple interesting variations of it that uh, I hadn't expected. Um, one of them dealing with retirement homes. So, um, kind well, of a, that's a macro demo, demographic trend too, right? Mm-hmm. Retirement homes as the eight baby boomers age. Correct. Demand and supply, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Good investments. Yeah, and and uh, high capital investment requirements. Another place where you have a high capital requirement. Manufacturing. Do you see? Not not recently as much. Okay. Uh, I mean, there there has been, and it just it, again, it depends on the circumstances uh, of where they're trying to go. So, manufacturing firms, you know, they they may hit a limit of what their capital and what their uh, borrowing ability will allow them to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nicholas. If someone would like to learn more about you and Anton and Chia, how do they find you online? Online, it is www. A N C S E C Services dot com. Give me that one more time, please. www A N C S E C Services dot com. Okay, I got it the second time. I see I see the, <laughs> the hidden meaning behind the name. Okay. Great. Uh, any other way? Uh, directly uh nine four nine five four four five eight five five. Tell us that one more time. Nine four nine five four four Five eight five five. Okay, Nicholas Policio, I appreciate you giving us the time. I apologize for the earlier technical difficulties. I think we survived it here on live radio, and we'll see what Crystal, our producer, can do to fix it. So if you're listening to a podcast and you go, it didn't sound that bad, that's because Crystal worked her magic as she usually does. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the community, Nicholas. Great. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to have to head out here. I'd like to thank... I guess I'd like to thank Paul, our engineer, for today's show. Certainly want to thank Crystal Nunley, who's our producer, Asia Celestino, who is our marketing strategist, Melissa Padani, who's our social media manager and live events coordinator, Rose Chamorro, our VP of sales, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I'd also like to thank our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will will move your company in a positive direction.
listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 